What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Rockcast, brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. We're going to roll into another episode of Tipsy Tuesday here. I know I missed last week, but we were hunting and busy, so getting getting to it this week. And while we, um, I'm not road tripping, but I am sitting on a hill currently in northwest Nebraska, uh, glassing for deer this afternoon. And I did have a nice buck just come about 100 yards from the pickup, and he was following a doe. So, um, something important to note there, we're starting to get a little bit of rut activity going. Last week, we had a couple of hunters come out. It's just really, really slow. All the crops are still in. Um, and I don't think, from what I've heard, the corn in this area still just seems to be really wet. They're having trouble drying it out. So, it sounds like it might be in for quite a bit longer, but... A little bit of rut activity will get things moving and get things coming out of the corn, which will be nice. So that was a buck following a doe. I did watch a smaller buck kind of nose around a doe probably three days ago now, four days ago. But it's a super, super nice evening today. It's been windy all day, and it finally calmed down and getting a little bit of movement there. So that's promising. Um, something else I wanted to talk about on the deer front is uh, EHD that is on the uh, the old uptick this year as with most drought type years. I knew about what EHD was, like a midge carries it, it bites them. And then I just learned the other day, we looked up that uh, it can, from within the them, the insect actually biting them, they could die within like one to two days, which is really not good. I found a buck. Just a few days ago, actually, last week, I was putting a hunter into the stand. Leo was with me, and she looked down a little ways away from the stand and saw that there was a dead animal there. Well, we had just shot an elk really not too far from that. I just assumed that the coyotes drug the rib cage over. Um, and the hunter was already in the stand. I didn't want to go back down and go rummaging around the woods um, while they were about ready to sit for the evening. So came out took me a few days but ended up going back in and it was a really nice buck so it's very sad it was like 40 yards from the tree stand and he's one that I've got on trail camera all summer so it's uh that's the only one I found I haven't really dove in too deep to like our section of river um but last time this stuff went through which was like 2013 or something like that we found dead bucks in the middle of the river and all of them were near water so gonna do a big uh big walk tomorrow and try to pick it over pretty close and just see hopefully hopefully I don't find anything but uh but yeah we've actually had last week we had a pretty good killing frost here um I think we've had a couple of them actually that should kill anything hopefully that is small insect that flies but um yeah so Anyways, oh, and also talked to a buddy from Cody, Wyoming. They've got it going on there. The, he said that they were expecting like a 30%, um, like a mortality right there. And then South Dakota, just not too far from us, far north of us, has it really bad. And I heard there was like a game and fish official that thought that they were expecting like a 75% mortality rate. So this is going to like kick some ass and it's not good. It's a pretty sad deal. Anyways, so I wanted to, to talk about the EHD and the blue tongue, just a little bit of like what it actually is. So EHD is 
epizootic hemorrhagic disease. It says or blue tongue in here. Um, so just dive into the, the EHD thing. So EHD is epizootic hemorrhagic disease and blue tongue um, are common viral diseases of deer. Both viruses are related and have very similar symptoms but are different in that white-tailed deer get EHD while blue tongue is a well-known disease of domestic sheep, cattle, and goats in addition to affecting deer. EHD and blue tongue are completely different diseases though from cr uh, chronic wasting disease or CWD. So EHD, blue tongue, not the same as CWD. Signs of illness. Um, deer in the early stages of hemorrhagic disease may appear lethargic, disoriented, lame, or unresponsive to the presence of humans. I've seen videos of that. It's very sad. As the disease progresses, the deer may salivate excessively or foam at the mouth, have bloody discharge from their nose, lesions or sores um, in the mouth, and swollen, sometimes blue-tinged tongues, where the blue tongue comes from. I'm sure, anyways. Um, the disease often kills deer so quick, uh, quickly within a day or two, they may still be in very good body condition. So this is really crazy that I did not know is how fast it kills them. From getting bit by that little thing, within a day or two, they're dead. So, good lord. In other cases, they may not die, just become sick and stop eating, resulting in... Mm, <laughs> Emaciation? Emaciation? Yikes. Sorry about that. Um, other wildlife like mule deer, elk, and bighorn sheep could be exposed to the disease but are usually not stricken like white-tailed deer, which is so crazy. Something like white-tailed and mule deer being, you know, fairly the same thing. Um, similar. Similar, you know, animals. Doesn't even affect them. It's crazy. Okay. Occurrence and spread. These diseases occur during the driest part of the year when conditions are favorable for the biting, oh boy, uh, sulios, uh, suliosoids, sulisoids, okay, gnats that transmit them. The gnats are found in wet, muddy areas where deer may congregate during late summer and early fall, especially in unusually warm, dry years. Okay, so, yeah, the the warmest, driest years. And it seems like in those times, there's obviously not as much water. So the water, water that there is is getting a lot more deer coming to it, which just leads to they're just all congregating and being around each other more. Or actually, they're just congregating to that water source that probably has that little gnat in it. Whereas before... It's always been around, but maybe for some reason the gnat isn't in all the little water holes. It's just in the one. So that's the way I take that anyways. Um, says this uh, spread of diseases is usually cut short with colder, wetter weather, which spreads the deer out and away from the gnat-infested areas. So basically just like I guessed. It says, or by the first hard frost, which kills the disease-carrying gnats. So we've had at least two kill frosts here this last week. So hopefully we just killed those little things. Um, it says, since the, the incubation period for, the, uh, for these diseases is five to ten days, afflicted deer 
may be observed for a couple weeks weeks after the first hard frost. Says we don't have to worry about cattle or sheep. Um, let's see. It says humans are not affected by either EHD or the blue tongue viruses. However, um, usually like Fish and Wildlife recommends hunters avoid shooting and consuming an animals that are obviously sick. So think about that. Um, it says, currently there's no treatment for animals infected with EHD or blue tongue. While it is understandable that people want to help putting out food or freshwater <clears throat> sources for wildlife often causes additional problems such as um, habituating wildlife to animals and concentrating them in areas where they can attract predators, be hit by vehicles, or transmit diseases to each other. I think that that is the key part right there. If you're in a dry year, like, so here in Nebraska, you can technically bait, like, in the summertime when season isn't going on. When season is going on, there's, like, some weird placement rules, and then you can't shoot um, a deer within 200 yards of the quote-unquote baited area, um, but it's, like, all gray and stuff, so I just don't do it, um, but... There are people that do, and the last big EHD outbreak we had, we were finding bucks like dead in the river. This is like 2013. Um, we had an outfitter on the place that was putting out corn and all that stuff, and he was putting out corn in big piles, like not even dispersing it. So like that that disease that was going around, like your congregating areas or your congregating animals in areas, is just a very stupid idea. And don't do it is basically what I'm saying. Um, so that could be, like, you could be helping the the problem, which is not, or making it worse, I mean. So, there we go. Laid it all out there. Okay, onwards. Late, some latest episodes. So, Leah and I, on the road trip to Nebraska, we talked about the mule deer that I shot in October. Um, some of our, you know, like, hunting as a couple and some of the gear items that have helped us do that and what we've chosen to do. Um, custom trailers. I took um, a 14-foot enclosed trailer and kind of made it into hauling the... so I could haul my side-by-side -side mostly. Um, I've converted it into sort of a camper as well. So we talked about how we did that. And let's see what else has come on. I think that's that's pretty much what's gone on. Um, we've got some good episodes coming up for you. We have a grizzly bear story where the guy actually had to shoot a sow this year. It's crazy. That's coming up like probably tomorrow. Um, and then what else we got? We got some other ones coming up. Um, we've got some, we've got the meat processing one and um, kind of meat care podcast that's coming up. We also have, we had a guy from Texas that's been hunting out of state a bit. Um, talk about hunting elk and things like that. So we have some article or some podcasts coming up for sure. And we have a, a really good one coming up. Hopefully next week we're going to have Robbie on um, talking with a couple of other guys about mule deer and just kind of brainstorming all together. So that's going to be super cool. Um, anyways, new rock slide articles up. Uh, Robbie wrote one called the walking stick. And then we have Jeff Lund on talked about uh, Southeast Alaska rut hunting tips for like blacktail. So those ones are up. Some new products. I just got 
uh, the new Kafaru, the Rogan, which is a fanny pack. Um, and I actually love it. Like, it is a little dorky, obviously, you have a fanny pack on, but very functional. Um, one of the things I think is the most functional is I've been getting in tree stands, trimming lanes, like making sure that all the little, like, you know, screwing steps are good and all the straps are good and all there's bow hangers and backpack hangers and all the accessories. Um, I can put, like, those accessory hooks and tree steps and everything in that Rogan pack and I don't have, like, I'm not putting them in my pockets and having them fall out when I'm climbing the tree. Um, it's super low profile with my harness on. And I can spin it around to the front, unzip the top, and it can just kind of lay open while I'm, like, hanging from the tree or whatever. Um, screwing things in, and it just kind of sits there. And it's really nice. I like it. Um, and then I also got the water bladder attachment that it's like a... It looks like a little mini backpack. It actually hooks into your binocular harness. So instead of having its own straps, it uses your harness as the front straps. And then your harness runs around like the part that goes around your ribs. It goes around and, and connects to the little backpack thing, which is built for putting a water bladder in, but obviously it's just like a compartment back there. You can put whatever you want. Um, but that's going to be really good for me guiding when we're like in and out of the side-by-side, -side, in and out of the pickup so much. Instead of having um, a backpack where I just don't need like a big backpack unless we have a bunch of, need to bring a bunch of puffy jackets or something. Um, I could, this is a good way to just have like knives, kind of like a kill kit type of a deal, um, wind checker headlamp, like some things like that in just a little package, which has been really nice. So you should check that out. It's been it's been sweet so far. Um, okay. On to some hot news. This is interesting. So over there in Yellowstone, there was a lady who actually went to jail for, they call it, harassing a grizzly bear. The video that I saw did not look like she was harassing it. She was just, like, standing by a vehicle. Although she was certainly within like the 200-yard limit or 250-yard limit that they say you should not be as close to bears. It's a, um, there's a video on YouTube. It's a sow and two cubs, and one of the t cubs like bluff charges her. And yeah, they threw her in jail for that and gave her a big fine. I think they threw her in jail for like four days, and then they gave her like a $2,000 fine or something. I don't know. It's kind of crazy. I thought that was a little excessive, but... It's just me. Um, another thing good to note, uh, Arizona is offering online courses for their Lifetime Hunter Education Bonus Point um, program. Travis talks about that a little bit in the episode that he he did. He talks about you can actually go down to Arizona, you can take a class, takes a day or two, and then you actually earn a bonus point with that. Well, now they're going to offer it online. So if you're interested in that, you should look into it. Um, and then this is really interesting, too. Um, also about grizzly bears over in Wyoming. They're reporting that in 2021, there have been 42 grizzlies killed in Wyoming. Uh, well, yeah, since January. And in 2020, there were 30, it says only 31 bears killed by the same time last year says uh, 2021 has become a dangerous year for the species. Um, it uh, 
says typically we'll have three or four aggressive encounters every fall. Um, I think we're at seven or eight this year is what Ellsbury says from Wyoming Game and Fish. I think he's a biologist. And he says, so it's a little bit high, although we see, you know, that every few years having a high year for whatever reason. It says in September alone, Wyoming Game and Fish received seven different reports of human bear encounters. Fortunately, only one resulted in injury. And we're going to hear from a guy tomorrow that had those encounters. I, one of those encounters, I am not sure. I heard of another encounter that um, there was a hunter that had to kill a sow with two cubs. Um, that was just west of Cody. So those are two different, two different deals that I've personally heard of right around Cody that have been bad. It says, um, you know, it's essential to stay vigilant and use extra caution as bears transition towards hibernation. It says, this year we did have a really dry year. There's a, short of a lot, shortage of a lot of natural food, so a lot of bears are going to a bit of a food stress situation right now, which may lead to their higher aggression and such, which does not surprise me. Um, it said, hunter run-ins have been the number one cause. Um, said we've had a few bears coming down to low country and in developed areas near town, but so far um, they haven't had too many aggressive encounters with them. So stay vigilant, everybody. Um, I know a lot of the seasons are kind of wrapping up there, but some of them, those late elk hunts that are kind of on that front, really near Cody, um, driven by the snow or, or later season hunts. So stay vigilant. Um... So on to the hot minute. This is, I'm just going to talk about a, an article that Robbie just wrote called Spotter Gets First Shot. And essentially what he is saying in here is like, all right, you know, whoever's listening to this, me and you, like we're going to go in on a backcountry hunt. You have scouted this area for this example. Let's just say I've never been there, but you invited me to go. So we're hunting buddies now. You have been pounding that area all summer. You found a super good buck late July. Haven't seen him since, but you know he's still in there. And from reading Robbie's book, you know that you shouldn't go anywhere else. You should just go back and sit there. Um, we're sitting on the glassing point right, you know, right beside another one another. Glass in kind of the same areas. I find the buck that you've been looking for since July. Well... Before we left the pickup, we decided that, hey, if we're together, the spotter gets first shot. So do I, you know, lay down? So technically, even though it's a buck that you've been scouting all year, um, we called it and I have first dibs on a shot. So essentially, Robbie actually came into that not exact same scenario that I just ran by, uh, but a very similar one. He had been scouting an area, found a buck, hunted him during archery season. He has some history with this deer anyways. Our buddy Travis went in with him to for rifle season and ended up, they got, uh, Travis found the buck. So Travis finds this buck and as Robbie says in the article, being the gentleman that he is, he said, Robbie, you've been, even though I found it and their deal was spotter gets first shot. Even though I found it, you have been hunting him. You've been scouting him. This is your deer. You shoot him. 
and they weren't able um, to get in range for Robbie. So Travis ended up making a shot and it didn't connect, unfortunately. But the premise of the article is know what you, if you are hunting with a buddy, know what the plan is. Make a plan. Spotter gets first shot. Make sure you're both in agreement of that because I've said it a million times, deer, and especially big deer, make people heated, make people do things that they normally wouldn't do and act the way or a, a way that maybe they normally would not act because of the size of deer and all the things. Um, I've experienced it a lot. Even not big deer make people do freaking crazy things. Um, so anyways, he says, decide. Is it the guy who scouted the buck in the summertime that gets the shot? You know, it's kind of your spot, or this is the buck that you found in the summer, so you get the first shot on that specific buck. Is it the guy who's closest to it? Um, is it the guy who spotted the buck first? Like, make a plan, make sure you're both in agreement, and stick to it so friends can stay friends is what he's getting after. So that is this week's hot minute. And Onyx tip of the week. This one's sweet because it is new. It is actually for elite members only, I believe. But they have implemented, um, they've implemented actually like top rut. You get some access to top rut. You get some access to hunt and fool as well. Um, so that's pretty cool. But one of the things that they call like the deer hub, I think, is super, super cool. And it's worked out really well for me. So if you have Elite, do the update and follow along with me as I do this. So essentially what it is, is when you drop a pin, you can actually set up parameters for wind on that pin. And it will tell you if it's a good wind or a bad wind just at first glance, which is kind of nice for an outfitter like myself that has a bunch of tree stands and blinds and stuff spread around. I can set that optimal wind in there and I can get a, you know, back my map out and I can just get an initial look at like bad wind, bad wind, good wind, good wind, good wind, bad wind, bad wind. So I can just throw some stands out early, if that makes any sense. So the way you do it, Go on to your app, find the stand or the pin or glassing point or whatever it is that you want to change. Click on it so it's highlighted, and then you scroll up, and you're going to see Waypoint Tools, and there's going to be one called Wind Direction. It's says Set Optimal Wind Direction or just show the current wind for this waypoint. So you can tap that. So you can just show the current wind of what's coming on with that. Mine says offline. Why does mine say offline? I don't understand that. Um, but you can also set optimal wind. So for this particular glassing point I'm sitting on right now, it's best if I have like a, uh, a west wind, a westerly wind, or a directly north wind. But it's not really good for the rest of it. So I'm just going to hit southwest wind, and these are all which direction the wind is coming from. That's usually when somebody says we have a west wind, it's because it's coming from the west moving to the east. So I'm just going to highlight those. I'm going to hit apply. I set my optimal wind, and now it says that, hey, you have a westerly wind, and it says a good wind. You have a good wind. If I were to flip that the other direction, it would simply come up and say 
bad wind. This is a bad wind for the situation or for the area and you shouldn't go into it. Um, so that is, that's super interesting. It's, it's a really cool feature that you can just like quickly access, especially for the tree stand hunters. Um, <clears throat> or if you have, you know, a certain area that you really do like to glass, but you're like, eh, the wind's not great for there. I wouldn't say this really applies to mountain hunting as much, but anyways, another thing you can do with Onyx that I do love dearly. So, um, we will, uh, let's see what else we got on here. That's pretty much it. Um, if you want to try, even though, um, so if you want to try Onyx, like hop on, download the map, uh, download the app. You can use a free version. That's not going to give you access to like all the features, but you can do some of them. Um, then just play around with it a bit. And if it's something that you want to purchase, use code rockcast at checkout for 20% off. That gets you 20 bucks off the elite membership, drops it down to $80. That is landowner access, um, information on your app for all 50 states and yeah it's just it's a great deal it's a great deal so again we got some cool upcoming episodes for you we're about to dive into the the uh, whitetail season here in nebraska we're going to finish out pretty much from next weekend we're going to be going real hard until christmas so it's about to get really crazy but i'll keep some um episodes coming to you and yeah that's pretty much all i got we will talk to you guys hopefully next week